When Hank Parker's marriage dissolved, he was hurting. And when we're hurting, we can do or say things we wish later we hadn't done or said. Hank remembers getting some very wise counsel. I had a great Christian friend that came to me. I was living with Hank Jr. And when you're hurting, you, you tend to, to vent. And uh, this man came up to me and put his arm around me. And he said, I know you're hurting, and I know you're living with Hank Jr. And I'm not accusing you of anything, but I just want to tell you, if you are venting anything about your marriage to your son, that's his mom, and you're making a horrible mistake. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We'll talk today to world champion fisherman Hank Parker and hear some of the lessons life has taught him as he has learned to walk with Jesus. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. You know, we have some listeners who have been tuned in, and we've been talking about hunting and fishing this week and really talking about family. And Yeah, and I, I, I have to say, Bob, this has been some pretty gritty conversations with, with Hank Parker. It has been, but but I know we've got listeners who are going, I'm I'm just not a an outdoor fish and hunt kind of guy, and I've just, I've never been into that kind of thing, and... Can a guy just go do it by himself? They're wondering whether this is something they ought to give a whirl to, and if they should, how do they do it? Well, they just need to find someone who can mentor them a little bit because no one just walks in the woods and becomes a hunter. And frankly, being a fisherman as well, it helps to find somebody who uh, who knows how to do it. Would you agree, Hank? Well, we, we live in a unique time, and it is incredible how much information is on the Internet. So you can get it all. You can go to any of the archery companies, how to, where do I start, what do I need. Uh, any of the boat companies can tell you how to get started fishing. You can go to the game and fish sites, and they can tell you where all public fishing's at. It's all out there, so it's so easy to find. If you're a uh, internet searcher, that doesn't fit me very well. But for no. most people, they they go for that. But if a, <laughs> if, a, if a guy's a novice, he's never done any of this before, and he's thinking, well, maybe this weekend we should go do something. Maybe I should take my son's fishing. Absolutely, without a doubt, you could go and and you could uh, hit your local fishing game website. They tell you where there's public fishing, where there's public access to launch boats. Anything you want to know. It's all there. <laughs> well, if anybody should know, the guy we're talking to this week should know, right? Uh, no doubt about it. He's won the uh, national championship of bass fishing twice in the uh, Hall of Fame of bass fishing as well and uh, has his own outdoor show called Hank Parker's Outdoor Magazine. That's it. And uh, I've had a chance to be You've a, been a guest a on his guest TV on show. <laughs> in fact, how could people watch the episode of you and Dennis. Is there some way they could see that? You know, I don't know. That will air on Pursuit Network next year. It aired this year on the Outdoor Channel. So uh, I'm really not positive. You can go to our website, hankparker.com, and uh, you can get uh, information on where that show will air or how to obtain a copy of that show. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So here's my question for you, Hank. 
And by the way, Hank Parker's married to Martha, has four sons and a daughter, 11 grandchildren. I saw them all on Hank Parker's Outdoor Magazine. He took them fishing together. It looked like a, a man in an anthill <laughs> with all those kids fishing. I, I have to clarify also, Martha has a, uh, a wonderful daughter and two sons. So we're a blended family. I have five and she has three collectively. We have 11 grandkids. Mm. And how awesome is that? Oh, that's great. I'm glad you did correct me there. So if if I said to you, Hank, you had one place to go fishing, conditions were going to be perfect. You could go anywhere in the world. Where would you go and why? Oh, man, that is so tough. I have those decisions that I have to make each year. Because you, know? <laughs> you can go wherever <laughs> you want to go. I, I literally do. This year, I chose my favorite place to fish in the whole wide world is Venice, Louisiana, and the Gulf of Mexico. You guys went on a cruise and left from the port of Louisiana, so you went right by my fishing hole at the Southwest Path where the Mississippi River meets the Gulf of Mexico. So are you fishing for redfish? Big, giant redfish on bass tackle. And it is unbelievable. I think I've seen one of those shows. Oh, it's so much fun. You, that's, that's you caught my, a lot of fish doing oh, that. We caught 200 on top water one year. I took a group of guys from the FCA down there, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And, uh, man, we had so much fun catching fish. We caught over 200 in the group. Unbelievable. Well, let's talk about family for a moment. You've kind of broken your your life into three chapters. One, the family you grew up in, where you had a dad uh, who struggled with uh, alcoholism, had a dramatic conversion to Christ, which ultimately led to your conversion as a young man later on. And then you began a career in, in fishing. Ultimately, your success cost you your marriage you turned a corner, though, upon that point and headed toward the, the third chapter in your life, which you've said has been remarkable. Fifteen years of, of walking with Christ and serving Him and seeing Him at work in your marriage and uh, your family. Take us back to that turning point, the divorce, and help us kind of find our way through this third chapter in your life. Well, you know, I learned early on when I went through all those hard times, I had a great, great Christian friend that came to me. I was living with Hank Jr. And when you're hurting, you you tend to vent. And uh, this man came up to me and put his arm around me and he said, I know you're hurting and I know you're living with Hank Jr. And I'm not accusing you of anything, but I just want to tell you, if you are venting anything about your marriage to your son, that's his mom, and you're making a horrible mistake. And you need not lean on him as a friend because he is not your friend. He is your son, and he still needs a dad. He needs a strong father figure. He needs a man that has respect for his mother. And you need to be on your game to be able to have an influence that will be positive on that young man. And it was some of the best advice I've ever gotten. It was at a very low point in my life, and I was guilty of what he was assuming I may be doing. It changed everything about the way I started behaving and prioritizing trying to be the dad I needed to be, even though things were not the best in my life at that period of time. And uh, I just started... uh, trying to be the godly father that I needed to be in spite of uh, my condition. 
you've shared with me about your sons and, and your daughter and just uh, how well they seem to be doing and walking with Christ. And, you know, there's a lot of things we in, we as parents can do in terms of our failures. But in the end, if they're doing well, all is well with us. Yeah. Do you that, agree? Yeah, that is absolutely true. Hank Jr. has always been the model kid. He and I raced together. We were best friends. He's my firstborn son. And we just had this incredible relationship. And spiritually, I watched him grow. But uh, my other children had different personalities, and uh, the relationships were all different. I, I have five children, and every relationship I have is completely different. It's, it's amazing, but I never, ever really questioned anything about Hank Jr., but my twin boys, Bill and Ben, and uh, my youngest son, Timmy, and my daughter, Lucy, there, there was a lot more rough spots. But Billy, you know, we got into racing. I, I was good buddies with Dale Earnhardt, and uh, we were down at the farm one weekend, and Dale Jr., Dale Jr. killed his first deer hunting with me. And uh, Dale Earnhardt was a very, very skilled hunter way beyond what anybody would ever believe. You know, most of these uh, guys that are great athletes, hunting is kind of a part-time thing. With Earnhardt, it was a passion. I mean, he loved hunting as much as he did racing, and he was just as good at hunting as he was at racing, and he was the best that ever raced, in my in my opinion. But we, we just had a lot of great times together. But uh, we were there one weekend, and the following Monday, I had to go pick up a race car that Earnhardt gave to Hank Jr. that belonged to Dale Jr. So we got involved in the racing business. And uh, We're talking about NASCAR now. NASCAR. Well, we started out, we just started racing late model at a little local track right out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Not far from Mooresville, where Dale lived, we, we started racing over at Concord. And... Uh, then that grew to NASCAR, and NASCAR's All-Pro Division, and that went from NASCAR's All-Pro Division to NASCAR's Grand National Division. And Hank Jr. ran a couple of um, cup events, but primarily uh, raced in what was called the Nationwide Series last year. I'm not sure what it is this year, the Infinity Series, I think. But there was a moment you described in, in your son's life where he had a chance to go big time. And I remember just sitting on the edge of my seat listening as you as a dad shared about a choice that your son made. And I, I think in order to share the story, you need to share a little bit more of the context for your family and, and uh, kind of why why this choice was heroic. Well, I, I'll kind of try to disguise and keep the names of the innocent out of it to, to keep from discriminating against uh, the race owner. But Billy was just incredible. NASCAR all-pro driver and late model driver. He built his own cars, and uh, one of the NASCAR former heroes of the sport uh, had a son that was racing, and he went to several of the races and saw Billy run. And so he was starting a Grand National team of his own, and he asked Billy to be his driver. And so it was just a dream come true. Everything was just unbelievable for Billy, and he was excited. And love racing and was very talented at it very very talented this and was one of the top racing companies on it was one of the top racing personalities who started a brand new team hmm. and uh, but he worked with one of the top four of all 
NASCAR teams, the driver did. So he took Billy, and uh, this is funny. I'll have to tell this story really quick. Uh, Billy asked me before he was going into the meeting with him, he said, Dad, I think he may offer me the job to drive the car. How much should I ask for? I said, well, don't ask for anything. Let him make an offer. He said, well, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I wouldn't drive Billy for less than $50,000. Oh, I don't know if he'll pay me that. I said, I would demand $50,000 or half the winning. I don't know, Dad. But I said, Billy, don't say anything. Let him make the offer. And, uh, man, I was on pins and needles waiting for that meeting. But to make a long story short, when it's over, I think he paid him $100,000, $150,000, plus half the winnings, you know. And, of course, the driver volunteered that. But that was a big deal. You know, you come from uh, working in the garage and eating bologna on light bread, and all of a sudden you're, you're making enough money to eat uh, filet mignon. So it was a big deal for Billy, and we were all excited for him, and knowing that he was going to really make his mark in NASCAR. Well, hadn't been racing very long, and uh, this driver said, I'm going to take you over and introduce you to the big boss, and uh, we're going to have a little meeting. Well, when they get there, they're in a room that looks like a galley of a billion dollar yacht all teak wood and and gigantic office and they've got this uh sheet over the something in the center of the room and make a long story short they pull the sheet off of the easel that was covered with the photograph or the drawing of billy getting the wand handed to him by the other driver and it was a alcoholic beverage and billy said i can't accept this and they said well you know we'll give you time to think about it we didn't mean to spring this on he said oh no i don't need time to think about it my grandfather was a drunk and my my dad uh very much against alcohol and he's taught me and he said i i just i'm not comfortable doing this and, and i never will be so it's not about time it would be unfair to you guys to say well give me a day or two because i i don't need any time Billy didn't volunteer all that to me, and I may not have it exactly the way it all went down, but from what I got from the meeting was, of course, it ended his career, and I later did talk to him one-on-one on phone, and I said, Billy, I can't believe that this has happened to you. It's unfair that you're going to get pushed out because you, he said, Dad, 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 wait. It's not unfair, and it's not anything to do with the race team. It's not anything to do with the alcoholic company. It's a God thing. I've got a decision to make, and I'm going to make the right one. It doesn't have anything to do with anybody but me and the Lord. And he said, I know what I'm going to do, and I'm not sad about it. I'm going to move on. And that was pretty much the end of uh, of his racing career. He did uh, He did have a wreck two weeks or three weeks after that occurred, and that ended him for sure. But he was doomed by rejecting that. And, of course, he knew he would be when he did it, but he did it because it was, uh, in his heart, the right thing to do. One of the top sponsors in NASCAR. and One he, of the top teams. Yes, and he walked away and walked out of a meeting where there was the ultimate, in my opinion, in peer pressure. No doubt about that. And he is the one son that I would not have expected that from. I would not have been surprised. Hank Jr. had had a similar circumstance that had already stood tall. 
But I didn't really know Billy would be that strong. And it just, I cannot tell you as a dad how proud I was of his decision. Have you had to face similar situations? I mean, when I think of bass fishing, you take a cooler out when you go bass fishing, don't you? All these bass fishermen faced this just several years ago when ESPN uh, bought bass. You had to wear a beer sticker on your jersey, and you had to put one on the windshield of your boat. And there were several guys, Jimmy Houston for one, and I'll give Jimmy a shout out. Uh, Jimmy refused it. And uh, But he had sponsor agreements to fish the tournament. So he fished the tournaments without the patch and without the sticker and didn't get points. But he had made a commitment to his sponsors that he would be there. So he participated even though he got no points for the Classic. Hmm. Wow. What would you say would be the thing you did to contribute to your son's character to making a courageous decision like that, Hank? That is the most flattering part of all of it is I think that my son knew my heart, and he cared enough about my convictions that he respected them enough that it became his convictions. I've always tried to be transparent with my kids. I've never, ever wanted to be a fake. And my kids know my good, my bad, and my ugly. And they know I'm real. They know I'm real. And uh, that was the most flattering part because I wasn't sure He's a young man with a lot of ambition and a lot of crossroads, and you're eager to make a mark in life, and you love the sport so much. I'm not, I, I just wasn't sure that he was there in maturity, and I'm not sure, I, I wasn't sure that uh, he had those respects. And I think if it's all said and done, I think all I was with him was real, mm. and he saw that. Well, Hank, um, I've really enjoyed our conversation we've had this week with you, uh, and there's been one other assignment that I've been wanting to give you, and it's something you've done a good job as you've told your stories about your your mom and your dad. It's the fifth commandment uh, that we are to honor our mother and our father, and a uh, number of years ago, God placed a burden on my heart with my own parents that I needed to write a tribute to them. And uh, I waited too late with my dad. He died suddenly at the age of 66. But I didn't wait too long with my mom. I wrote my mom a tribute, and the only mistake I made was not taking it to her and reading it to her face-to-face. But I think what I'd like to do is if I had the ability to seat your dad right now across the table from you, and I, I said, Hank, I want you to turn to your dad right now and give him a tribute, not for the years that were wasted, but for how he redeemed ultimately what he was given when he placed his faith in Christ and and turned away from alcoholism and um, not being much of a father or, or husband or citizen and became God's man. Could you give him a tribute? I could. I sure could. I, I, I would say to my dad, Dad, I... Uh... I know you were bogged down with and shackled by an addiction that you didn't want to be. And when you had the chance, you accepted Jesus Christ and you turned your life around and you cared more about my soul 
than you cared about anything else, me and my brother. And I'm so grateful to you that you prioritized our salvation above yourself, above anything that you wanted in this whole world. And I thank you so much for living the life, those five years, for living the life, having the attitude, the spirit, and being patient with me. I thank you that you love me enough, you prayed for me, you were patient, and you were so incredibly persistent. You never let up, man. And I'm so grateful, Dad. I would not be the man I am, and I would have no hope. I was destined for hell. I had a bad attitude. You knew it all, Dad. But you loved me enough. You stuck with me. And I've got two great fathers that I'll spend eternity with. And I thank you, and I love you, and you're awesome. I don't know if folks in heaven can hear things, but I got a feeling if they can— your dad's got a big grin on his face right now, and uh, I'm confident, Hank, just on uh, the amount of time you and I have spent over the past year together, there's a lot of reasons for him to be proud of you. You're about the king's business, representing Christ and proclaiming him. I really admire your heart for introducing other people to Jesus Christ, the person, the redeemer, the God-man who died for you and your father and who made made a difference in your dad's life and yours as well. And uh, I'm grateful to God for you and the man you are. Thanks for joining us on the broadcast. Man, I just appreciate the opportunity to be here. What an awesome program you've got and what a beautiful facility. People have never seen this before. They need to come to Little Rock to tour. This is awesome. They sure do. And I hope you'll come back and bring Martha next time. And uh, I'll treat you to my, my blackened salmon out on my deck. I may just hold you to that. <laughs> it's uh, it's worth the trip. I'll, I'll vouch for it, okay? And I'm glad you mentioned tours because uh, we would encourage folks, if uh, your summertime plans have got you coming anywhere near Little Rock, swing by and uh, just let us know that you'd like a tour of our headquarters. Uh, we've got tour groups who tour the, the uh, office regularly, get a chance to see the studios and see all that's happening here at Family Life. And uh, if we're around, we'd love to say hi to you. So uh, if you're coming this way this summer, stop by Family Life Headquarters and ask for a tour or, or call ahead if you'd like. Just call 1-800-FL-TODAY and let us know you're coming and we'll make plans to welcome you when you get here. And, and there's no cost for the tour. We're always glad to have folks uh, stop by. And I mentioned earlier this week about uh, dads and sons going through the Stepping Up video series together. And we've heard from listeners who said, that sounds like that could be a good idea, uh, especially if you have teenage sons and you're looking for a way to connect with them and with their friends this summer. Our recommendation is that a group of dads and a group of sons just plan to get together once a week, have a cookout do something fun together, and then watch a 30-minute video from the Stepping Up series. Spend some time talking about what you watched. We've got workbooks that will help guide your discussion. And I think what you'll find if you do that, a lot of lessons that your sons, your young men can learn by going through this series with you. And you'll learn a few things yourself no matter what your age is. Find out more about the Stepping Up video series when you go online at familylifetoday.com or give us a call if you have any questions at 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today.
Now, this weekend in Houston, Texas, and in Austin, Texas, we've got Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaways taking place. Hundreds of couples from all over the state of Texas, and actually a lot of folks flying in for the weekend, a great getaway for husbands and wives to relax, refresh, laugh together, and be reminded of what the Bible teaches us about how to build a stronger, healthier marriage relationship. That's what the Weekend to Remember is all about. And I would just like to ask you, pray for these couples who are going to be going to a Weekend to Remember. Just take a minute right now and just say a prayer for them that uh, they will sense God's presence this weekend and that they'll hear Him clearly as we seek to present Uh, what the Bible has to say about marriage and family. That's our goal here at Family Life. We want to effectively develop godly marriages and families. We believe that can change the world. And we owe a special thank you to Family Life listeners who do more than just listen. Those of you who go online or give us a call or mail in a donation, we're grateful for you. You really make the impact of this ministry happen. You enable us to uh, take this message to more people every day in more ways because of your financial support. If you've never made a donation to Family Life and you're a longtime listener, how about today being the day you join the Family Life team with a donation? You can do that online at familylifetoday.com or you can call 1-800-FL-TODAY or mail your donation to us at Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas. Our zip code is 72223. And we hope you have a great weekend this weekend. Hope you and your family are able to worship together in your local church, and I hope you can be back with us on Monday. Next week is all about dads with Father's Day coming up. We're going to talk about how important, how powerful a dad can be in his family's life. So I hope you can tune in for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. A crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.